Going to get into the message here in just a moment, but immediately after church at 12 o'clock, we are going to have food ready, burgers and hot dogs off of the grill next door and a bounce house for the kids and uh, cornhole set up and a few indoor games. So anybody who would like to stay and whatever you would like to do, we passed out a lot of invitations. We had a lot of people say they were interested on our Facebook ad. So if we do have guests come in, let's welcome them. Let's tell them hello. And I wanted to say to a few people, People. Uh, Brother Joe will be on the grill, and then to Rachel, Rebecca, myself, whoever remembers, if we do see guests, I have a big old stack of gospel tracks out there by the grill. We can say hello to them, thank them for coming out, give them one, and also let them know if they want to fill out a contact card so we can let them know when we're having another event like this again that we can. So if people come in, even though they're not here for church, at least we're establishing a relationship, they'll know that we're here, and it's all a, a tool that we pray the Lord will help us to be able to use to grow the church, to be a blessing to people in the neighborhood and let them know that we're here should they need assistance from a church in any way. We passed out over 500 invitations that had a gospel tract attached to it. So thank you to everyone who came out and helped with that on Wednesday night and on Saturday morning. We also have a game room that is ready to be open today. The upstairs area of the church, if you go upstairs and turn to the right, for now we have ping pong and an air hockey table. So what we're going to do is right now that section is locked off with a door that we've had installed and with today being an outdoor event and guests coming in and out after we've had lunch if anyone wants to go up there and see it and check out the game room let me or brother Jason know and that's the way that basically we'll plan to operate it is anytime someone wants to stay and use it we'll have it available but just let me know so we can open it up for you with it being an up out of the way secluded type of place we're going to keep it locked locked off when people aren't using it and just as always parents remember to ultimately be responsible for your kids and to know where they're at, but we plan to have that area monitored whenever it is in use. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to tell you before we move to the message. Um, I think we'll start with what we have prepared with one burger for everyone, and then we'll see how it goes after that. The hot dog should be unlimited, so hopefully no one will go away hungry. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter number 21. And I am using for the first time today our new screens with PowerPoint as we preach. And the way that I'll plan to use these, hopefully to begin, is that our main text, we will still turn there. We'll read from our Bibles. You can look on your phone. But when we have different texts and things scattered throughout the Bible, they will be up there on the screen. So hopefully I'll be able to preach efficiently. And you can look up and read along and hopefully follow along better with what we are saying. I'm pretty happy with the way that they turned out on my first Sunday. I said this was one of my goals to be able to have done. And within a year, we've gotten it there. Uh, it saved us a ton of money and was better in a lot of ways than projectors would have been. So I think they fit the need uh, for our auditorium and for the uses that we'll have for them. And there's some more things going forward we'll be able to do, like hopefully uh, using the wiring back to the sound booth, running it through the speakers. But for today, we have it up and running, and I was hoping to be able to use it so that we could see the vision for it on the first Sunday instead of just having blank screens on the wall. So we're going to read a couple of verses from Proverbs 21, and then we'll flip to Proverbs 27 and read a couple of verses from there. And then from there on out, if I do read a scripture, you can follow along with me on the screen if you would like to. We have the title of the message today, which we'll explain as we go along, is Choose the Best Way. Choose the Best Way. We'll go through to the text, and then we'll start to get into a little bit more about what we're talking about this morning, and I'm ready to get going. So if you're with me here, Proverbs chapter 21, let's look at verses 11 and 12. The Word of God says, Proverbs 21, 11, when the scorner is punished... The simple is made wise, and when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. Now let's turn to Proverbs chapter 27. We'll read two verses from here, get started, and we'll break these verses down a little bit more as we go along in the message. Proverbs chapter 27, and again, we will read verse 11 and 12. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. 
There's a phrase that we'll have up on the screen here now that is not found directly in Scripture, but I believe as we compare Scripture with Scripture, specifically the book of Proverbs, we will see that it is a very scriptural statement with a lot of practical applications to our life. And what we're talking about this morning is there's three ways that we can approach learning in our life. And the Word of God instructs us to choose the best way, which would be to avoid pitfalls, avoid evil whenever possible. I believe the first time I preached this message was a good 10 years ago on a Sunday night service. We had our normal crowd and we had a youth night where we went and invited some of the teenagers that came in the morning. And I think we went and picked up about 25 kids that were sitting in this section over here. And when I prepared and preached this message the first time, I said to the younger people, this message is a little bit more directed at you but it applies to everyone. So I don't want to get a raise of hands or see who in here is in their 20s or 30s or younger, but there is a lot of principles here that if you will cling to and will believe from the Word of God, it will help your life and it could determine the future course of your life and a lot of pain that you can either go through or avoid. But as with all scriptural truth, it applies to each and every one of us. And it's simple points, simple statements, but hopefully as we go along, you will think about it, you will consider it, examples of people that you have known, things that you have seen happen, and you will get that this may not be some profound or complicated truth, but it's a deep truth from the Word of God that affects our life. A smart man will learn from his mistakes. A wise man learns from others' mistakes, but a fool never learns. We'll read it one more time. A smart man will learn from his mistakes. A wise man learns from others' mistakes, but a fool never learns. I wonder if Brother Gabriel would come up here for just a minute and help me illustrate something from this text. If you're not too shy, I decided I'll pick someone young because they're not that shy. Just come on up to the platform. And I've done this before using several people, but for now, we'll, we'll use the people in this section, Ronnie and Lisa, and myself, and come on over here. And what we're going to pretend is that Gabriel is out doing something and the three of us are over here watching, okay? So Gabriel's walking along this ridge here and he sees a sign that says danger. Don't get too close to the edge. You might fall off. And Gabriel thinks to himself, you know what? I bet I can walk that ledge and I bet I can tow the line and I'll be just fine. Now don't actually do this, but he's walking and he falls off of the edge and he injures himself and breaks his arm. Now, the three of us are out here watching, and we're each going to have a decision to make at some point about how we respond to what we saw. So thank you. You can go ahead and have a seat. So the next day, Brother Ronnie comes walking along. I'll let you keep your seat. You don't have to come up here. But he comes walking along, and we'll pretend Brother Ronnie walks to the same place, sees the same time, says, Danger! Don't get too close to the edge. You could hurt yourself. And Ronnie thinks, I know that I saw Gabriel fall off and hurt himself. I know I saw him get in trouble, but I bet that if I am very careful, I'll be able to get away with it. But he too gets too close to the edge, falls off and injures himself. Now we'll take it a step further, okay? We'll say that a long time into the future, Brother Ronnie, his arm had gotten broken. It caused a lot of pain. It caused a lot of headache. It caused time he had to go to the doctor and pay medical costs and rehab. But a long time later, he got healed and later came back to the exact same road and saw the sign that said, stay away from the edge. And this time, Ronnie said, you know what? I made a mistake last time and I remember how bad it hurt. So this time I'm going to stay far away from that edge. And he passes by and he avoids that pain. Why? He learned from his mistake. Number one, if you've learned... Number one, if you've made a mistake, learn from it. If you've made a mistake, learn from it. And the third text that we're going to look at this morning that proves out the point that we made was Proverbs 17.10. Notice what the Word of God says. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than an hundred stripes into a fool. A reproof is a correction. It's a rebuke. It's the same thing as a stripe. When it talks about a stripe, it's talking about a whipping that you would get publicly for having committed some crime. People used to be punished that way. And the Bible says that one rebu rebuke, 
One reproof will enter into a wise man more than an hundred stripes into a fool. So one time that you're reproved, a wise man will receive it and it will do him more good than a hundred stripes to the back of a fool. Let's look at our statement one more time here. A smart man will learn from his mistakes. A wise man learns from others' mistakes, but a fool never learns. Number one, if you've made a mistake, learn from it. In our illustration, Brother Ronnie is going to represent the smart man. He made a mistake, but because he had some intelligence, the next time he came back to that crossroads, he said, I remember what it was like, and I'm going to learn from my mistake. Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there's two things to learn from what the Apostle Paul said. If you know about his life, he was in religious zeal persecuting people who were saved, persecuting the church of God in the name of God. But he said, I've come to this point in my life where now that I've been saved, now that I'm born again, I'm going to forget about what was back there and I'm going to press forward. The problem is if you don't forget about your mistakes, if you keep it in your mind every day, you'll become defeated. You'll say, well, I messed up. I, I sinned. I failed. I'm not good enough to accomplish God's will. But what I don't believe he was saying when he says, I forget about what's behind and press forward to what's before, he didn't say, I forget to learn the lesson. If you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. You've heard that saying. Paul was saying, I went through that. I learned my lesson. Now I'm going to put it in the rearview mirror and I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize. I'm just going to go forward and serve Jesus Christ. We are all going to make mistakes. If you think you can live your life and be perfect and never have mistakes you're going to have to learn from, well, you're mistaken right there. But I believe that what this verse teaches is that God desires when we make a mistake, don't quit. Don't beat yourself up. Don't think I'm a failure and I could never recover from this. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and learn your lesson. Learn your lesson. How many little kids were told by their parents, don't touch that stove, it's hot. But because they were immature, a sign of immaturity is failing to heed warnings. They touched that stove, it was hot. They burned their skin. But the next time, now all of a sudden, the memory of that pain triggers and they say, I'm not gonna touch it this time. This time I'm actually gonna listen to my parents. I've told this story before, but we used to share a room, John and Jason and I, and uh, John was very little, only a couple years old, but he was old enough where he could crawl out of the crib. And uh, Sarissa is plenty old enough to crawl out. She just hadn't figured it out yet. So we're putting this off until the time when we have to. But they, my, our parents started to try and train John. When we put you to bed, you have to stay in bed. You don't just get to get up whenever you want. So he said he understood. And they said, if you disobey, you're going to get a spanking. So they closed the door. They said, good night. And he said, yeah, I'm tired of this. I'm going to see if it actually works or not. So he got out of the bed and went out and they brought him back and they said, now, Johnny, we told you what's going to happen. You're going to get a spanking. So they gave him a spanking and he cried and they told him what would happen again. A couple minutes later, if you know, John, you know, this is his personality. He's one to always push the boundaries. He said, well, I'll try it again. And he goes out and they bring him back in and give him a spanking. And he cries. And again and again. I don't know how many times it actually was. But by the last time he got up out of the bed by disobeying, he was crying as he ran out of the room because he knew he was going to get a spanking. But he still did it. Now, that's a funny example of a little kid. But do you know that some people live their whole life that way? Violating the laws of God and of men. Getting punished for it over and over again. And eventually knowing the rod is coming for the back of the fool. But they continue to do it anyway. And whether it's a coach of a team, whether it's parents of children, or whether it's God in relation to us, I believe that those people and that God are not primarily concerned with the fact that a mistake was made one time, but rather whether or not you learn your lesson from it and continue to get better. 
God knows that we'll make mistakes. A coach knows that a team will make mistakes. Parents love their children. They know that sometimes they're going to make mistakes, but they want them to learn their lesson and not keep going down the same road and making the same mistake over and over and over again. Proverbs 24, 16 gives us the definition of a just man. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. The Bible does not say a just man is a man that never fails, but rather a just man is one that falls and gets back up and falls and gets back up, falls again, gets back up again. A just man is one who gets up one more time than he fell down and is on his feet before God. We consider some examples in the Bible who made mistakes, but God forgave them and they went on to do great things for God. Peter, Jesus told him and warned him. He said, Peter, the day's going to come that you're going to deny that you ever knew me. And Peter said, I'll never do that. I love you too much. My faith is too strong. I won't deny that I know Jesus. But just like Jesus said before the next morning came, Peter was following along Jesus after he had been arrested. And someone said, I know who you are. You're one of those Hebrews who follow Jesus. And out of fear for his life, he said, no, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. And the lady said it again and he denied again. And then the third time she said, I can tell by the way you talk. You're a follower of Christ. And he said, I am not. And he began to curse and deny that he even knew who Jesus was. And then immediately he heard the sound of the crowing just like he knew, just like Jesus had told him would happen. Now, at that point, Peter had a choice to make. I can quit. He could have done what Judas did. Judas, after he was convicted of his sin, rather than repenting, he went out and took his own life. But the text says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He repented. And Jesus came after he was risen from the grave and he went and specifically found Peter. And he said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He was saying, don't be so worried about the fact you've made a mistake. You denied my name. That was a sin. But you've confessed it. You've repented. Now get up and serve me with the rest of your life. That's what Christ wants us to do. And on the day of Pentecost, he preached and 3,000 people got saved, baptized and added to the church in the same day. We know the story of Jonah. We know how hard his heart was. He wanted to disobey God. And in the end of the story, he wasn't even happy that Nineveh got saved. But when he ran from God's will and God sent the great fish to swallow him up after he spent three days and three nights in there and the, and the, the fish threw him back onto dry ground. The Bible says that time when he, he hit the ground, he ran to Nineveh. And it was a three days journey and he made it in one day, at least to that part about obeying God to go to Nineveh. He was ready to learn his lesson after he'd spent three days and nights in the fish. The story of the prodigal son, he demanded, give me my inheritance. He ran away to a far country. But after he had spent all the text says, and there was a famine in the land and he found himself in the mud pit with the pigs so hungry, wishing he could eat from the husks that were left over from them. The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, even a hired servant in my father's house has it better than I have it here. I'll go back home. I'll repent. I'll tell him I'm sorry. And I'll ask if I can be a servant. And his father, who represents our heavenly father, didn't even wait to hear what he had to say. He didn't make him be a servant. He welcomed him home with loving arms. Zacchaeus lived a life as a publican, as a tax sheet and ripping people off. But when he came to Christ for salvation, he made the decision. I will receive Christ and then I will make things right. I'll pay people back four times over whatever I stole from them. And when we come to Christ for salvation, that scriptural principle applies that God wants us to make things right. He wants us to go forward. Don't beat yourself up about your past, no matter what it is. The Apostle Paul murdered Christians and then he wrote half of the New Testament. But God wants us to do what he told the woman caught in the act of adultery. Go and sin no more. Go in forgiveness. Go in grace. Go in freedom. But forsake that life that you were living before and make things right. When you make a mistake and learn, when you make a mistake, then learn from it. And after you've learned your lesson, keep going forward and don't give up. 
And as I said, Ronnie, in our illustration, yes, he made a mistake. He saw someone else make a mistake. He didn't heed that warning and that example. And he broke his arm and he went through all that pain. But the next time he came back through, he was smart. He said, I'm going to avoid that road this time. I'm going to walk away from it and I'm going to avoid the pain. Number one, if you've made a mistake, learn from it. Number two, the best way to learn is from others' mistakes. The best way to learn is from others' mistakes. Let's look back at our text verses again that we read out of the book of Proverbs. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. In that one little phrase, there's three different people. There's the scorner, there's the simple, and then in the back half of the verse, and when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. A scorner would be akin to a fool in the book of Proverbs. A scorner is the one who listens to what God has to say. And they say, yea, hath God said, I'm going to go my own way. A scorner is one who their parents warn them about dangers and pitfalls of a direction they're going. And they say, you don't know anything. Me and my friends, we know more than you do. A scorner is one who scorns the word of God when it's preached to them. A scorner is akin to a fool. Well, the Bible says when the scorner is punished, there's a simple person who is able to watch and be able to be made wise from watching the scorner get punished. But when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. In other words, the wise man doesn't have to get beat up for what he's doing wrong. When someone tells him, avoid that road, don't make this mistake, he receives it and understands it and applies it. Verse 12, the righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. The Bible says that a sign of a righteous man, a sign of wisdom, is that we look at the house of the wicked. We see how God deals with wicked people and the judgment of God that is brought upon their head and upon their house for disobeying his commands. And we consider it. We learn from it. Proverbs 27, 11, and 12. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I might answer him that reproaches me. A prudent man or a wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A wise man who's walking down the road and he sees something that he's getting warning signs leads to evil, leads to judgment, leads to destruction... He sees it ahead of time and he hides himself so he can avoid the pain that goes with it. But what does the simple do? The, those who do not have wisdom, they see the warning signs, but they just keep going and they walk right into the punishment. The title of the message this morning is Choose the Best Way. The best way to learn is to listen to the Word of God. Look at the examples in this book we call the Bible. See what happens to friends and acquaintances who forsake the law of God, who go their own way, who refuse to listen and avoid the same mistakes that they have made. The third person in our illustration was Lisa. And Lisa was watching Gabriel walk down this road along with me and Ronnie. And she saw what happened to Gabriel. He ignored the warning signs. He fell off. He broke his arm. It's nothing specific to you. Okay. I had to pick somebody. That's why I just pick a young guy to pick on. I know he can handle it. She saw what happened. And sometime later, she came down that same road and she saw the warning sign that said, stay away. If you fall, you could get hurt. And she said, I remember what happened to him when I saw that. I'm going to stay as far away from that ledge as I possibly can. Now she passes by. Ronnie was smart. He learned his lesson. But she was wise for she'd never made that mistake in the first place. And yes, Ronnie is on a, a right track. He learned his lesson. But Lisa's going to avoid a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of rehabilitation time that she never had to go through that Ronnie did. For the best way to learn is to be wise and learn from others' mistakes without having to have made them ourselves. Praise God for those who give testimony and say, when I was young, I rejected the word of God. I went my own way. I made a lot of mistakes. But through the pain and the sorrow and the trials that came from sin, I learned that it was wrong and I repented of it and I came back. Praise God for those who have that testimony. 
That's going to be most of us in one way or another. We made a mistake, but we repented and we came back. But I would say to those who are young, and those people, by the way, would tell you too, that's not the best way to learn. The best way would be while you're young to decide in your heart, I'm going to follow after God. I'm going to obey his principles and I'm going to try to avoid a lot of trouble that comes with running from God. And I'm not here this morning to talk about anybody's past or put anyone down. That's the main thrust of the message partially is whatever mistakes you've made, learn from it, correct it, go forward and serve God. But a lot of times those people who have run from God and came back, they'll be the first ones to say, preach it, preacher, tell it like it is. They need to hear. They would say to the younger people, listen, don't do it exactly the way that I did. Avoid running from God and avoid that road altogether. And I'm here to tell us this morning, we don't have to try the world's way to know that it doesn't work. We don't have to try a life of sin and disobedience to God to know that God will bring punishment upon our life for that. I have an uncle who's a preacher and he was telling the story that when he was young and getting in, get, and it got out in his workplace that he was engaged to be married and his, his coworker was kind of giving him a hard time and it came out and he said, you mean you don't even live together at all? He said, well, how do you know that it's going to work if you don't try it out first? And he said, maybe I wasn't as nice as I should have been. He said, but he said, is that the secret to the success of the five marriages that you've been in so far? You see, there's going to be voices that speak into our life that tell us things that do not agree with the principles that are found in the word of God. Someone could say, well, if you've never tried doing cocaine, how do you know you wouldn't like it? So I've never tried putting my head under the tire of a semi-truck before either, but I have eyeballs. I can know, I can learn that some of those things we can give our life to, either the sins of the flesh or drugs or drunkenness. The Bible says avoid those things and we can watch and see the fruit that comes from it to know that those things are destroyers, that they come to rob and to steal. And when God says in the Bible, thou shalt not, it's not because he's trying to withhold good things from us. He's the one who created this world. He's the one who knows the principles and the way that it's going to work. Someone said it would be like getting the owner's manual to a car and it says, don't try to drive this, you know, above the speed limit. Check your mirrors before changing lanes. Do regular maintenance. Make sure you don't run out of gas. And we can look at that manual and say, ah, what a killjoy. I'm not going to enjoy what this is. The person who wrote this is trying to withhold good things from me and take my fun away. No, they're the ones that designed it and they know that it's a good, great, wonderful thing. But if we don't follow the principles to take care of it in the way that it was created to work, it's not going to be a blessing to us if we don't obey the speed limit and we don't check our mirrors and we get into an accident. It could cost us our life in the same manner God has created this world. And when he lays down the laws of thou shalt not, it's because he knows that breaking those laws will bring us destruction, not joy, not fulfillment. I could look back at personal examples in my life of people that I grew up with when I was young who very clearly made the decision to go their own way and that they were not going to live by the principles of the book of the Word of God. And a lot of heartache and destruction followed. The Bible tells me that if I am wise, if I am prudent, I will foresee the evil and hide myself, not pass on and be punished. The Bible tells me there in verse 12, the righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. And again, application, I'm not making application to everything, but in your life, especially if you're older, there's no doubt you can think of people, if you've been a Christian for a long time, who ran from God and who had heartache, or even just people who were breaking the laws of men and society, and they continued to break those laws. And the only thing it ever brought was the chastening rod of, of society and ultimately of God upon their back. We all probably know people in our lives who refuse to learn their lesson and to go forward. We'll talk about it here in a little bit, but the laws of God and the Ten Commandments, a lot of times they're represented in the laws of men. 
Thou shalt not kill or do violence to your neighbor. When we break these laws and we live a lifestyle that goes contrary to the word of God, it does not bring good things. It does not bring good fruit. The Bible teaches us that we are to heed warnings. A wise man, Proverbs tells us over and over again, will heed the warnings that are in the word of God. God gives us warning sources in our life. He gives us parents. And I would say most of the time, even if your parents aren't saved and don't know God, they still will have wisdom to give you. They may not know God, but they still know you. And the Bible commands us to honor our father and our mother all the days of our life, whether we're an adult or not. When we're children, we're told by God to obey our parents. When we're an adult, we're ultimately responsible to God for ourselves and the decisions we make, but we still have to honor our parents, which means to give weight to, to understand their position and to listen. And if your parents are speaking into your life loudly, you need to at least stop and slow down and listen to what they are saying. God gives us preachers, wise counselors, preachers and wise counselors and other people in our life to speak into our life. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Part of what God has designed is as the preacher opens the Bible and preaches every single Sunday, part of what he's doing is rebuking and reproving. He's admonishing, he's exhorting. But Paul said in one point, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We warn people. Repent, be saved, or judgment is coming. The greatest warning source itself is the Bible itself. The Bible is full of examples. There's a lot of the Bible that's just text, that's speaking directly to us. But I don't remember the stat that Andrew was giving. Did he say 70, 80% of the Bible is written in narrative form? Something like that. The overwhelming majority of the Bible is telling us stories. It's saying, here's King David. Here's what God told him to do. Here's where he obeyed. Here's where he disobeyed. Here was the blessing that came from obedience. Here was the judgment that came from disobedience. The Bible is full of good examples, but the Bible is also full of negative examples. People we are supposed to look at their life and considered what happened. Moving quickly, but I have a few up on the screen. Achan was told that after Israelite, the Israelites went in and took the city of Jericho, they were to destroy all of the spoils for the city was wicked. They weren't supposed to keep it for themselves. But his eyes were turned with the beautiful garments, the gold and the silver. And when no one was looking, he pocketed some of it. He took it home and he buried it in his tent. Well, God had been with Israel. He had promised, I'll go with you. I'll beat your enemies for you. So they came next to a little city called Ai. And they said, this city is so little, we don't even need to send all of our armies. Let's just send a few of our soldiers. It'll be easy. But because there was sin in the camp that Achan had brought in, God removed his hand of blessing and they lost the battle. And there were soldiers that didn't go home that day and wives and children that did not have their husband or their father come back. And as a result of God's punishment, ultimately Achan and his household were stoned for that sin. That is a tragic, horrible, negative example that God said, I want put in my word so that people can read from it and be warned. Do not disobey direct commands from God or destruction will follow. And I'll say this, even the good people like King David, we'll talk about him here in a little bit. God chose to not whitewash the record. God chose to put in the good and the bad so that we could learn from both. Absalom rebelled against his father. He humiliated him. He tried to steal the kingdom. And ultimately, in the middle of a battle, his hair got caught in the thicket of a tree. And Joab stabbed him with darts through the heart. We'll talk about Samson later, but you know his end. One of the strongest men that ever lived was brought to nothing because he continued to follow after sin. And then I put on the screen personal examples. Again, whatever you can think about in your life. I know I could think of many in mine where we see someone who was hard-headed and continued to head down a wrong path. And it cost them greatly. 
A few verses we'll go through here. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. What comes from the righteous, the fruit that is produced from righteousness, is life. But the Bible says, the labor, While the labor of right, the righteous tendeth to life, the fruit of the wicked to sin. So the fruit of the righteous is life. The fruit of the wicked is sin. And James 1, 14 and 15 tells us that, but I'll, I'll read these verses. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The fruit of the righteous tends to life, to blessing from God. Obeying God's commands brings God's blessings. But the fruit of the wicked is to sin, and sin ultimately leads to death. Proverbs 10 and verse number 16. Maybe I missed that one. No, I, did I already read Proverbs 10, 16? Yeah, okay, we read that one. Sorry, this is my first time using all this. Jeremiah 2.19, thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. We'll read the rest of the verse, but the Bible says your own sin is going to correct you. Your own backsliding from the law of God will reprove you. God has created the world to work in a certain way. And the natural law of God is that sometimes God doesn't have to come smite us after we have sinned and broken his commandments. Sin brings its own punishment and you break the laws of God enough, then society itself will say, we can't even let you walk around. We're going to lock you in a jail cell because you've broken the laws of society, which often are rooted in the laws of God. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. One of my favorite verses here that my dad preached years ago, and I just grabbed onto it and never forgot it. Proverbs 10, 22 tells us the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Moses forsake the pleasures of Egypt, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And sin may bring pleasures. It may bring joy, but it only comes for a season. And just like summer, winter, fall, they come, they're here for a season. They pass away. So too the pleasures of sin pass away and then come the consequences. And the devil may offer you a good time. He may offer you something that looks pretty good, but all of his apples have a worm inside of it somewhere. But when God gives us something good, he adds no sorrow with it. No strings attached. The Bible tells us, do not look at those about us who are living wickedly and be jealous. Don't think I would have it better if I didn't have to keep the commands of God. Rejoice that we have been warned. Rejoice that we know the truth and that we have the opportunity to avoid the judgment that follows sin. The one who foresees the evil and hides will avoid a lot of hurt and in the long run will be much better off even than the one who made the mistake and learned. As I said, we're not here to put anyone down or bring up things of the past to make us feel bad. What did I say about Ronnie? He was smart. He said, I broke my arm and it hurt and I'm never doing it again. But the wisest decision would be to do in our illustration what Lisa did, which would be to stay as far away from breaking that command as possible. Then we come to a third point. I'm going to have to move quickly here. Number three, a fool never learns. A fool never learns. What is the biblical definition of the word fool? I tried to look in Strong's at the definition of the Hebrew word, and it basically literally means stupid. Will not learn. We may use that phrase of a fool flippantly about something. Oh, he's being a fool. The Bible in the book of Proverbs uses the word fool in terms of the utmost weight and gravity to talk about someone who will not listen to what God says, who scorns what God says, who scorns what their parents tell them. And as a result, they go through a lot of pain. And the biblical definition of a fool is someone who never learns. Proverbs 17, one reproof enters more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. 
If you're being wise, you'll receive more benefit from one crack. Hey, don't do that. Learn your lesson. But a fool will sit there one, two, three, all the way up to a hundred and they refuse to learn. The best way is to learn from others' mistakes. But if you've already made that mistake, just learn from it. But if you make a mistake, get punished, feel the pain, have the rod on your back over and over and over again and keep making the same mistake, the Bible says you are a fool. I remember when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I was watching a documentary about the American prison system and they were interviewing some people in there and talking about the conditions. And this one guy was in jail and he said, hey, I just have a message for all you young guys out there. He said, you don't want to be in jail. This is not a good place to be. He said, I've been here 11 separate times already. And trust me, this is not a place you want to come to. 11 times of breaking the law violating parole, committing a crime, being sent to prison, having all of your freedoms taken away, but refusing to learn. That's one law of God. Jesus told Peter, if you take the sword, you'll perish with the sword. You can't live a life of violence and crime and not feel the effects and the judgment from it. Eventually, it keeps, it catches up with you. And while some people make a mistake, they are genuinely sorry but some people who make a mistake are only sorry they got caught. How many times have we seen a celebrity or dare I say a politician who gets caught for something and they want to have their perfect written statement to express their deep regret. And then a while later it's found out they're in the same thing. Okay. We're nearing the end here. I pray that the Lord will help make, application to this in any way that that he would show you. We'll talk for a minute quickly here through the book of Proverbs with a bunch of scriptures. What is the biblical definition of a fool? Proverbs 17, 10, a fool refuses to learn his lesson. Proverbs 10, 23 tells us that a fool looks at doing sin as a sport, as entertainment. It is as sport unto a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. There are some people, the book of Proverbs tells us their sleep is taken away unless they have caused another to stumble. There are some people that it's such a game to them to do sin. They don't even have peace in their heart unless they're harming other people. And a fool looks at sin as a sport. Proverbs 14, 9 tells us fools make fun of sin. They think it's a joke. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous, there is favor. I don't, I don't know what to say, but be careful. You laugh about other things that people did wrong. You think it's funny when someone has violated the law of God. The Bible says that's a foolish thing to do. Psalm 14, 1 tells us an atheist is a fool. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible says if you look at this earth and you see the evidence of creation, you see the sun come up in the morning and the moon come out at night and you look at the mountains and you look at the ocean and the clouds and you realize that if our planet was a little closer to the sun, we would burn up. And if we were a little further away, we would freeze. And we see how well designed this world is. But we say, notice that the verse says within his own heart, as if he's trying to convince himself and go against what he knows to be true. There is no God. There is no God. The Bible says you are a fool to ignore the evidence of God's existence. Proverbs 12 tells us that a fool does what is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. A sign of wisdom, listen to counsel. Listen to the word of God. Listen to people who are trying to help you. But the sign of a fool, he'll just do whatever is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. The sign of a fool is he does what's right in his own eyes. And what does verse 26 say? He trusts in his own heart. The Bible says if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. That's pretty much the opposite message of every Disney movie that's ever been made. What's the lesson that is usually being shown? I'm not, not trying to 
I watch Disney movies too, okay? I'm not trying to be a legalist or jump on anybody's toes. But go home and pull up the lyrics from Frozen. Let it go, let it go. See if there's a biblical message in that or see if it's a message of do whatever's right in your own eyes. Don't listen to the rules, the right or the wrong and do whatever it is you want to do. Follow your heart, the world tells us. The Bible says if you trust your own heart, you're a fool. Jeremiah says your own heart is desperately wicked and above all deceitful and you could never even know what's within your own heart. Don't trust your heart. Trust the word of God. Trust the truth. Proverbs 14, 16, a wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confidence. A fool does not fear sin or the consequence of it. You see what it says, the wise man there, he fears the evil. He departs from the path. But when looking at evil and looking at sin, the fool rages. He's confident. He says, I can get down to this ledge. Let me go ahead and illustrate that right now. I put myself as the fourth person. I'll, I'll play the fool in the illustration. The fool would be the one who saw what happened to Gabriel when he fell and broke his arm. He comes down the road for the first time ever and he says, I bet I can do it. I bet I can do it better than he does. He falls and breaks his arm and it hurts and it's money and it's therapy and it's pain. But finally he heals. A little bit more time goes by. He comes walking back to the same road and he says, I know last time it didn't turn out well. But I bet this time I can handle it. This time I'll walk a little bit more careful. And he walks up to the ledge and for the second time he falls and hurts himself. But yet in the process of time over and over and over and over again, every time he passes by that road, he says, I bet this time I can get away with it. And he falls and he refuses to learn his lesson. The Bible says that is the definition of a fool. Proverbs 17, 21 tells us that a fool is a sorrow to his parents. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Proverbs 9, 8, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. A fool will not receive correction, will not receive reproof. The Bible says be careful about trying to correct a, a, a scorner, a fool. He'll hate you, but if you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. And thank God for friends who love us enough to tell us the truth, not just what we want to hear. If you want true friends in your life, then give people permission to speak truth from the word of God into your life and receive what they are saying. That's the sign of a wise man. Proverbs 17, 16, a fool has no heart for wisdom. Proverbs 18, 22, a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. This next verse is a little bit unpleasant to look at, to think about, but it's in the word of God. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. If you've been around dogs, if you've owned one, you might have seen that actually happen. They don't care. But the Bible uses that somewhat graphic and unpleasant illustration to say it's the same thing. When a fool returns to his folly, to his foolishness, to his stupidity, to his sin over and over and over again. If you make the same mistake over and over and over without learning, that's the biblical definition of a fool. Before we read this last verse and close out, I want to reiterate this morning, I'm not here to discourage anyone. I'm not here to call anybody out. I'm here to give us the truth, to say no matter where you're at, if you've already made mistakes, if you've already sinned, then learn from it and go forward. But if you feel the pull to go your own way, to violate the law of God, repent, be wise, avoid. But according to the Bible, if we continue to make the same mistake, commit the same sin, get the same chastening rod, the same trouble, the same rebuke over and over and over and over again, the Bible says we are being a fool. Proverbs 27, 22, though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. Let's break it down a little bit. To bray here is an old English word that means to pound or grind into a powder. Okay, so the Bible says if you were to take a fool 
and pound him all the way down to dust and powder. That instrument there, the bowl, is called a mortar. The stick is called a pestle. And what you do is you take the wheat, you put it in the bowl, and you use the pestle to pound it and to grind it and to crush it down. And the Bible says if you took a fool and mixed him in with the wheat and pounded him till he was nothing but dust, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. The biblical definition of a fool is someone who refuses to learn his lesson. I'm about out of time. I told Joe we'd dismiss at noon, so I've got to do it. There was three examples of one particular sin in the Bible that illustrated this that I'll just throw out there quickly without going through the story. We know that David broke the law of God when he took his neighbor's wife and he committed adultery. He eventually committed murder to cover it up. But when the prophet was sent to him, he pointed at David and he said, Thou art the man. You need to repent of what you've done. Yes, you're going to have a lot of trouble and judgment from God because you sinned but you need to repent. And David at a crossroads, he could have gotten angry at the prophet and killed him too, but he chose to repent. And yes, he sinned. And yes, it caused him sorrow, but he went on to be a man after God's own heart who fulfilled all of his will. But he had a lot of pain associated with that. Joseph in the Bible was taken and Potiphar's wife ran to him and said, come and commit this sin with me. And he said, I will not take my master's wife. And he ran. He avoided the sin altogether. And yes, he was lied about and thrown into jail. But ultimately, he was exalted and blessed greatly by God. David was smart because he repented and learned. But Joseph was wiser because he said no in the first place. But there was another man, physically the strongest man ever written about in the Bible, named Samson. He could lift the gates of a city all by himself and run away with it. But over and over and over again, that same sin appeared in his life. He went to his parents and he said, get me that, that woman to be my wife who is from a country that hates God. And they said, you're supposed to marry the Israelites. He said, I don't care what you say. Get her for me. She pleases me well. That didn't turn out well. The scripture records him going into prostitutes and eventually to Delilah, telling her the secret of his strength. And this strong man who was so physically strong is in the house of the Philistines, grinding at the mill like a donkey would with no eyeballs left for his enemies took him away. And he died taking out the Philistines. But he fit the definition of a fool for he never learned. He kept going and going and going without repenting. If you've made a mistake, learn from it. The toll will be worth paying. It's worth the pain that comes from being corrected. If we learn our lesson from it, the wisest way is to learn from others' mistakes. But if we are a fool, the Bible says, though we were pounded into powder, yet would not our foolishness depart? The definition of a fool is someone who never learns. May we seek to choose not our way, but the best way to learn, which would be to be wise and avoid as many mistakes as we possibly can. Let's bow our heads for prayer. No music this morning. Let's have a time of prayer. You can pray where you are or come to the altar. Whatever God has laid on your heart today, let's pray about, and then we will be dismissed and go to our event next door.